Welcome to the Mom and Dot 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 Podcasts. We're your hosts, Suzanne Kearns and Missy Stevens. We want to help you through everything that happens in the ellipses, from your professional life to your emotional health. You're a mom and so much more. Let's figure out what comes next together. Welcome to the Mom and Dot 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 Podcast. I'm Missy Stevens, Mom and Dot 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 Writer, Foster Child Advocate, and this week, Procurer of Prom Attire. For my son, not for myself. (laughs) If you need a size five red prom dress or anybody does, let me know because we're trying to unload Zoe's. Now you have to sell one. There you go. (laughs) Well, we're trying to donate it, which is harder than it sounds because there's really great organizations in Austin that will do these, you know, free prom dress shopping events, but they're all mid-April. So... So you just have to hold on to it. I know. Uh It's big. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) And I'm Suzanne Kearns, mom and dot, dot, dot writer, LGBTQ and sex ed advocate. And today, after more than five years, a woman with a completed book proposal. So I may or may not talk about this more in the Look, Listen, Learns. We'll see. (laughs) Teaser. Yeah, it is a super teaser. teaser. You'll be hearing about it for the next five years. (laughs) Well, we're really thrilled this week to welcome Tara Stiles to the podcast. Tara is the co-founder of Strala Yoga, best-selling author, and a well-being expert. She revolutionized yoga for millions, transforming a practice so often seen as foreign, dogmatic, and guru-based into an everyday movement that supports ease and well-being. Strala Yoga is practiced in more than 100 countries. Thousands of guides lead Strala classes around the globe, and Tara shares daily yoga with thousands of people on the Strala Yoga app, which you all need to get. I love it. She has been profiled by the New York Times, Times of India, the Times in the UK, and featured in most major national and international magazines. And just personally, I got to participate in two sessions at Zippy's Fierce Women Retreat. And I'm not just saying this because she's here and I'm looking at her. It was (laughs) seriously the most transformative, peaceful, and powerful at the same time yoga I've ever done. And I've tried a lot, and I think this may be the yoga that turns me into someone who has a regular practice. So welcome. Oh, oh my gosh. That's so nice of you to say. It's always so embarrassing to hear your bio read out loud. Do you both feel that way? <laughs> I get so cringed for myself. Like, ew. <laughs> no. But also kind of amazing. Then you were like, I did all, I did do that. I did. Right. Yes. It's kind of a, an out-of-body thing, like. Wow. Okay. I guess so. Yeah, that happened. <laughs> yeah. Well. I'm more excited that you like the yoga though, and that you felt good and enjoyed. And that's the part that makes me happy. So thank I mean, you. So good. And we'll talk about it more, but like, it's just yeah. this gentle guidance and, and all of a sudden you're in a yoga position that maybe would have, you would have been in your head about another time. Oh my gosh. I'm so jealous because I was not at this amazing retreat and I did not get the yoga, (laughs) but I need, (laughs) I need to know all about it. But first, can you give us a little one-on-one about your career journey, especially any, you know, key pivots along the way? Oh gosh, sure. Well, I grew up thinking that I would be a dancer, some sort of contemporary dancer. So that was my life. And I think when you're on that path, a lot of my friends and folks on that path, that was, you know, you're not sort of dared to think about anything else, sort of that or failure. So that was my my life forever. And then I always sort of felt these yoga feelings and would ask questions to really anyone that I thought was open about it. My dad would sit on the floor in lotus position and I'd be like, dad, what's going on? Are the trees connected and things like this? So I'd always ask these kind of strange questions for a kid. (laughs) And then, you know, I mean, we all kind of have these questions like what's happening in the world and are things connected? And 
and they said, just, you know, do your homework and keep your head down. <laughs> Stop <laughs> asking so many questions. But then I got lucky in my ballet conservatory. My teacher brought in a really simple yoga class. This was back in the 90s. So I know, obviously, yoga is a lot older than 1990s. <laughs> but, but that was still pretty new. Yoga wasn't something that somebody could have sent me to if I had questions about being connected and having a practice like this. So my first experience was a pretty simple physical practice, but I felt this feeling of, oh my gosh, I have more questions and this is the the practice that I want to help support my own life. And then my mm-hmm. second thought was kind of this whack on the back of the head, like, why don't my friends do this? Why wasn't this taught to me before? Why doesn't my family know about this? This can also help with the basic aches and pains of life, like all of these sort of benefits were so obvious. And then I kind of mm-hmm. looked around and said, why is everybody doing this? Mm-hmm. So slowly I just started learning more and doing workshops and whatever I could find. You know, yoga was written on flyers back then. You like gave three knocks and like went in the back alley somewhere and some <laughs> old guy like gave you a book. And I'm like, cool. It was very like it's Mr. Dirty Miyagi. <laughs> you know, it was like very, it felt like I mean, I grew up on all those movies like the the Gremlins and stuff like that. I felt like yes. it was like learning about that. So I was really <laughs> just super finding it. And the more I found all these little nooks and crannies, I realized, oh, wow, yoga is really secretive. And why is it so secretive? And why does it feel so mysterious? And my yeah. experience was it was it just felt really easy and natural. And it's not easy. I mean, there's a physicality to it, like any anything you would do with your body. But I just felt... Like it was more like me than it was this foreign thing and sort of coming together. So Mm -hmm. I just started learning more. And then at the same time, without any real plan, I started sharing it with people because I was just talking about it all the time. I do a dance gig and the choreographer would be like, oh, I'm so stressed out. I'm like, oh, have you tried this? And I would do a few little just impromptu movements with them and they felt better. And then we'd have the same conversation like, oh, I never did yoga or I was intimidated or whatever. So I just kind of got pulled in. And then when I really started leading it one-on-one with people and I started this free class in Central Park and more friends started asking me to, to lead classes for their groups and it just started to feel really good for me too. I felt like I was having this expression where I was now dancing with the people. So it sort of completed mm. that feeling that I wanted for my life growing up. And I thought, you know, also as a dancer, I thought, oh, gosh, I'll probably do this until I'm 25. And then I better hurry up and get a skill because <laughs> I'm going to do a job. <laughs> so I thought, well, this is nice. This is something that I can do kind of forever. And the older yeah. you get when you do it, if you're still healthy, then that's amazing. It's something that can really support my life. So that's kind of how I started, I suppose. And I still feel like that. I mean, along the way, I started a small studio. I really didn't have plans to you know, create Strala Yoga and have instructors doing this. But one thing started to lead to the other. First, it was more myself. I was making videos on YouTube really early on, like 2006, just to kind of try to reach my friends, like yoga for hangovers and yoga for back pain and really just really fun (laughs) stuff, like trying to convince my friends out of high school to get into yoga. And so that really led to more media opportunities and blogging and some sponsorships and this was early 2000s. Nissan had this electric car and they asked me to be the person for it with some runners, this guy, Ryan Hall, who's amazing. So it's kind of this sports people. And then, Mm -hmm. and then I'm like this yoga one over on the side. So I kind of fit into this 
category that I don't think really existed. These right. big brands that wanted to be more well-being focused would mm -hmm. just somehow find me and say, okay, you're our person for this. And I got to design a clothing line for Reebok and sort of make it more sustainable. And this was kind of early 2010s. And so all of these media opportunities really came my way, which I was really grateful for. It kind of bought me some time to figure out what the heck I was going to do. Yeah. And yeah. at that point, the studio was getting busy and people were coming and loving the way I was leading. And other teachers were saying, hey, I want to lead in this more gentle way. And I don't want to get burned out. I don't want my students to get injured. And can you kind of show me what you're doing? And so, you know, I kind of pulled on my dance background and then learning more Tai Chi and the healing arts and kind of things that were all for me coming together and, and the approach I was using and saying, well, I don't want to just put out this information until I know it really works. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. so, mm -hmm. so that took a lot of time, which I felt like I had time at that point. So, you know, over 10, 15 years, the Strala Yoga studios around the world and those things that seem, I guess, a bit bigger than myself started to develop. And, and yeah. I'm glad I took time because I think those things can happen too fast if you try to make a business plan about it. And it really just happened out of a way of moving and really a laboratory feeling and kind of that dance studio feeling. We were doing it all the time in the studio and saying, okay, what's working? Oh, we're playing a little bit of music. People like music. Yay. But back in 2006 or seven, that was, you know, it sounds so silly, but unheard of it, in yoga well, yes. classes. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds so silly. Yes. And it's not like I invented music, <laughs> like just playing it, you know, before a class, like something soft or gentle. And really, I always loved these classic rock songs or, you know, music is just so powerful and playing things that maybe yep. you don't hear when you're shopping at the mall or whatever, the top hits of the day. <laughs> yeah. But these real soulful songs that maybe you heard your parents or your, an uncle or an aunt listen to or you kind of grew up on, I really found that that was a huge connection into. So there was lots of little things I was kind of figuring out that helped the process besides the way of moving in this gentle way from the center and not having endpoints and all of these kinds of things. So so that really helped the development of what I continued to do. I want to talk a little bit about the Strala philosophy because it is different because it's not it's not just straight yoga. It's not Tai Chi. It's this different combination and the music is something so interesting. It's. I'm glad you talked about that because mm -hmm. it was really moving when I took your class. And I realized at some point my brain went, oh, normally this would be like whale sounds or something, you know, or just something <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nature sounds or something, which is great. It has its place. But to hear these words, and I think I messaged you because it was revolution. You know, we were talking yeah. about this, these words were also connected to what was happening in my body mm -hmm. at that time. So rather than me rambling about it, if you could tell us a little bit about the Strala philosophy and how how that came to be. Yeah, no, you described it perfectly. I think what I always wanted to do was to help people feel better and to feel more like themselves. And and mm -hmm. that's kind of, I know it sounds so simple and corny, but but that's really it. And it's so easy, especially with yoga, to feel like either, okay, cool, I got that, or I'm never going to be able to do that. Or, oh, you need two blocks and a blanket and a chair to do that. Or mm -hmm. next Tuesday, you're going to be able to do that. And it's all of these things just take you out of the moment of what's happening. So what I loved about exploring how to move in the beginning was describing the movements frame by frame of what's happening. And I think that really came from just my understanding of, of movement in general. Mm -hmm. and, and a lot of yoga classes 
just seemed kind of funny to me. You know, I would be a young dancer in my early 20s and a teacher would call me to the center of the room to do a backbend and then everybody would clap for me. And I'm like, well, I'm not good at yoga. I'm just, I have a dance background and I'm in my 20s. <laughs> like, I can't really do a big backbend now. So I was thinking this may be really enjoyable for a lot of people, but I was definitely more interested in the experience of moving in a way where you see progress physically but really the point is the physical and emotional connection the entire time. So what's happening with you before class, after class, all of that. And the best I can do to facilitate for someone is to also be moving as best as I can. So I started just experimenting with the before and after class, just putting some music on. So simple, you know, mm-hmm. not doing things that would be drawing attention to myself, like looking at my phone or standing in the front of the room, not talking to somebody, these kinds of things I started to just kind of get obsessed with and think about all the time. You know, if there was a group of people, kind of like a clique talking to each other, and there was one person that was kind of lonely in the side, I would go over to the clique and then move my body and open up a little bit. And usually they would either break up and disperse or that other person would feel invited in. So all of these mm-hmm. things that would set the stage for feeling better and feeling included because you're including yourself. And of course, that comes to the movement as well. I mean, what I learned from studying Tai Chi is all the things that I felt my whole life about life and yoga, but it really made sense in the physicality of softening so your breath can move you. And then all of a sudden, the end isn't the warrior two. That's just another moment along the whole path of the flow. You're there Mm -hmm. and then, okay, the next breath lifts you up a little bit and expands you. And then you're not moving yourself back. Your breath is actually moving you the other way. And then, oh my gosh, you're actually participating and letting your breath move your body. And when you do that physically, just turns out that you can accomplish more. So that feeling of, wow, I'm actually doing this hard thing. My body's doing something challenging. I am getting stronger without the stress, without the struggle and without the tension. And then you also feel something useful the entire time. There's no sort of delayed reaction like, okay, I'll Mm -hmm. hold this warrior two for two minutes and then afterwards I'm going to feel so much better. You know, that's sort of this surviving a car crash kind of a thing or that sort of stress response, you know, that we all Mm -hmm. can feel anytime. So I just love that there is this practice of Tai Chi that says that in the principles, but I can kind of forget about and not try to talk about or really teach Tai Chi, but that's really what informs the movement of of the yoga. And in my kind of understanding of all of these things, you know, the more you get into whether it's your great grandmother's wisdom or Tai Chi or Ayurveda or even Anne's uh, writing class, she was talking about orchestrating the experience and the beginning, the middle and the end and, mm-hmm. you know, the flow. And I'm, that's not my field of expertise at all, but how she was describing the process of the arc of writing a book. I'm like, that's a yoga class to me. And sort of everything becomes everything. And I just get really excited about that. But yeah, I think the core difference between Strala and maybe a vinyasa class where a vinyasa is moving, but you're moving kind of pose to pose to pose. And you're really focusing on those moments or those pictures of the positions. And Strala, you're doing all of that as well. But the whole thing becomes one continuous movement and that's mm-hmm. the goal then you become the goal instead of trying to get into you know version three of of the position for sure yeah i've always felt so much pressure to like be a you know be a yogi and have to get this position just right and you yeah. want to look like you know what you're doing and it feels weird in a class and i didn't feel that when taking a class with you, you know, i just felt like i'm just here 
doing me. I don't look like any pictures of any yoga people ever. <laughs> like that's just just flowing. You know, I mean, how boring would that be if everybody's like doing the same thing and yeah. thinking the same thing? And I mean, even just what I kind of learned over the years is you feel so much when you do the thing step by step. And if you tell someone how to feel, it doesn't work at all. You know, oh, feel good right now. Or now you're supposed to feel empowered in this position. Like it's just so disingenuine. So yeah. I really, I really learned that I can help people and myself to connect to a huge range of feeling by guiding the movement really, really well. And that flow of your breath moving you outward and then mm -hmm. inward and then you're literally just step by step doing the things and then it's so cool from my perspective to see you and then everyone in the room feeling like themselves and doing mm -hmm. all of these things and everybody's you know sort of at a different moment of the movement but we're all doing it together it's not like chaos like it's not like <laughs> right. you know do whatever you want to do Anarchy. you know some something's <laughs> happening here but there's no pressure of okay everybody gets a gold star if you can straighten your leg all the way or whatever. Mm, yeah. So, well, and I think that is probably yeah. the biggest hangup that I have had in the past. Sounds like you, Missy, have had in the past, and I bet a lot of our listeners do too. Is there is that intimidation factor of like not doing it right or not doing it as well as the person who's mm -hmm. next to you? So there's that, but also just time, yeah, especially for busy moms, yeah. busy anybody. You know, juggling all these different roles, parenting, whatever the case may be, and this idea of adding a, a yoga practice in or any kind of exercise routine can be a little overwhelming. I know my husband. My husband just did his this morning. He went and we. Yeah, got he's our been little, really good about it lately. I know he does yeah. his Peloton. He does that, and I don't know what what my hurdle is. I think a little bit of it is I'm not doing it right, and a little bit of it is just how do I weave this into all the other responsibilities of the day? So how are some ways that you suggest that people start to adopt Estrella practice into their life in order to fit it in with everything else? Yeah. Well, I got to give a talk. It was midnight our time, but for a Singapore class and it was young students, but it was kind of the same questions as us, us busy moms. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and the student asked this question. It was so adorable. And they said, I felt like they were, you know, a 40 year old person, but they were in an 18 year old body. And they said, you know, I, I do my work. I do my classes. I come home at the end of the day. I'm exhausted. I just want to sit on the couch and relax. Mm -hmm. How do I do yoga from there? And, you know, I was just winging it. And I said, well, cool thing is you're really close to the floor. <laughs> <laughs> so you can just roll down to the ground. I was at T come out my nose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like roll down to the ground and I think changing your idea of what yoga needs to be and, mm -hmm. you know, through that talk with those students, I was showing them simple things that they could do that would help them feel better immediately. So that person was stressed and, you know, having back pain and tension and mental anxiety. So just rolling down to the ground, hugging your knees into your chest, rocking a little side to side, watching your breath move your body and then notice how you feel. And just with us talking about that, they said, just talking about this, I feel better. Mm -hmm. knowing that I can do this for a few breaths, you know, exchanging this, oh, I need an extra hour to, right. I can take a few breaths when I'm making dinner and just have a breath body connection for a moment. And that might make me feel more excited to sleep better tonight. And then if I sleep better tonight, maybe I'm up in the morning and I'm thinking, wow, I'm awake. And 
I have so many things to do, but I have about 20 minutes. Maybe I can do a, a gentle practice, just crawl down to mm-hmm. the ground and do it in the pajamas or whatever. So I mm-hmm. think kind of changing your idea of what it needs to be and how long it needs to be and what yes. it needs to look like. You don't need this of... special outfit that the yeah. people on the internet wear. Or, yeah. I mean, that is a big thing. I mean, it's so it's silly. But that's, we have been brainwashed by society that in order to exercise, I used to, I really wanted to open a gym once where you could just mm. wear your suit and heels mm. and whatever that you were wearing <laughs> at work that day. I mean, not on the treadmill, you're going to break something, but, you know, so you could go in if you wanted to go do a round of weights or whatever you wanted to do mm, that yeah. no one would look silly if they had to go in there with their work clothes on. Because there is, there's this weird barrier of like, this is what I wear to do this. And this is what mm-hmm. I wear to do this other thing. I love that idea of just like pajamas. I don't know. You're wearing your business clothes. Yeah. Just get on the ground. Yeah, yeah, it shouldn't matter. And then the more you can fit in those little moments in your day, then you just feel better. Like you said, it's then you don't have to be split personality. This is my work mode. This is my mom mode. And this is my exercise mode. I mean, that mm-hmm. just sounds exhausting right there. I don't want right? to do that. You know, <laughs> like, yes. even for our app, if I'm just filming at home, I'll just, you know, I'll put my hair in a ponytail so it's not in my face or covering the microphone, but I'll just be in something that's pretty comfortable. But if I'm doing it, it just for myself, yeah, it's it doesn't matter at all. And I think just normalizing sitting on the couch and breathing or crawling down to the ground, normalizing just getting on the ground is such a big deal. I mean, it's wow. something at some point in our life we're going to be grateful that we're still able to get up and down up off the ground and, yes. and and have that sort of skill and just that basic coordination and feel better in all of those moments, too. That's one of my main goals is to be able to mm. get up and down off the ground well mm-hmm. into my golden years, whatever those are. That is a huge thing. You can thing. do it. That is a huge thing. And I keep on thinking about going down to the ground. For those of us who have dogs and cats in our family, the ground <laughs> can be kind of a scary place. <laughs> so <laughs> might want to keep a dust buster next to wherever you're going to oh, be I, living. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I, I do. I keep a, one of those Swiffers like yes. really nearby because whenever I'm doing yoga, I'm like, oh, man, there's so many little dust bunnies under the couch. <laughs> Yes. I mean, so it's good. Kill two birds. It kind with of one encourages stone. me to vacuum because I'm like, yeah. well, I know when I get down there, I'm going to be annoyed if it's hairy. So, real quick, I'm just going to run the vacuum and then I have a slightly more serene space. That's cool. <laughs> but this is perfect tie in. I really want to talk about your book, Clean Mind, Clean Body. And it's a really beautiful book and it is filled with super practical information. Like, I opened it and flipped through it when I first got it. And I mean, there's cleaning tips, speaking of running the vacuum, like cleaning tips and tools. It's not just, it's not woo-woo. You know, a friend of mine Mm. said, what are you, you're thinking about doing a mind-body detox? Like, that sounds really woo-woo. And I'm like, it's it's not. Like, it really is grounded. And there's so much just good wisdom. And I really love what you say about we're not stuck with our habits and tendencies. That's not who we are. It's just a thing. And yet, even though I'm so committed to it, talking about this detox, it's scary. 28 days. Like I have told myself I'm going to start when we get back from this conference. We're going to in a couple of weeks. But 28 days sounds overwhelming, Hmm. no matter how lovely the book is. So how does it work? How much time do we realistically devote to unsticking our mind and our body and being detoxed? Gosh. Yeah. I mean, you know, unfortunately, I mean, you all know with books, like there has to be something in it. <laughs> to do. Yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of the good thing and and the problem. You know, the goal was really a framework to 
make these little changes. I mean, I think for me, the more I not just started doing yoga and getting excited about yoga, but then looking at the rest of my life and cleaning instead of, oh, I got to clean the floor and having my shoulder get worn out. You know, you can put the vacuum in. This is so silly, like connected to your center and then you're moving around and you're getting some nice, easygoing movement in your body while you're doing something that you need to do that could otherwise stress you out. So I think that's mm -hmm. that's kind of the goal is to to do these things day by day and fit them in in a way that does feel good. And, you know, I don't care if anybody does all of the things. I don't think that's even I mean, I shouldn't say this as an author, but I don't think that it's really necessary. <laughs> I think you do. <laughs> you do the things every day that call to you and help you feel better, but you drop yeah. the things that don't. And yeah. what I love about specifically the physical practice of it is you can find it everywhere. I mean, even here talking to you all, I mean, you're so lovely and easy to talk to, but uh, I can roll around a little bit, get my breath body connection going. And I feel great the whole time. I, I'm not, I know I'm not going to feel burned out after this at all. I mean, mm -hmm. you guys are awesome too. So that's a thing, <laughs> but you know, when you're on calls or doing something like that it can be really easy to feel like you're performing or needing to get your yes. point of view across. And and even in those conversations, I've noticed the more I look at these practices for my life, I can say, oh, this isn't just something for my yoga practice time. Yeah, I can take a break and get on the floor and do all that. But while I'm doing this, I can also be doing this. While I'm cooking, I can also be centering myself. And instead of chopping the vegetables with my shoulder, I can move from my middle a little bit. And it looks a little silly, but wow, it feels so much better. And then I'm uh -huh. more aware of what's going on with myself. I'm, I feel like I don't want to distract myself with my phone. I can look at the pasta boiling and maybe do a bit of breath body connected movement instead of looking outside to fill that sort of hole. I mean, I heard somebody say like the digital pacifier, you know, that we have. Yeah, so, gosh, yeah. So I've, yeah, I've just noticed that doing these things in life and changing those habits and, you know, it's really a, I think a thing of being okay with noticing how you feel and noticing your habits. I mean, you don't have to admit like, oh, I check my phone too much. Like we all do. So I, I want to check my phone less. Okay. How do I do that? I can center myself, take a breath, body connected moment. And then do I really want to check my phone? Is it an email thing or am I just bored or am I just looking for some sort of connection that I can get with myself? So I think, mm -hmm. you know, seeing all those things and and doing those daily, whether it's the recipes or the cleaning or the journaling or the meditation, like it doesn't matter, but it's sort of, you know, those are all just blueprints to to get us going with it for sure. Oh, oh yeah. I love that idea. It's so freeing. Once again, like you don't have to do the whole 28 day <laughs> Yes, yeah. but just this idea of these micro habits, too, mm. that you're just mm -hmm. weaving into your day, because I think that's another thing that we've been trained to believe that any type of practice has to be 30 consecutive minutes of doing this exact one thing, which is a lovely goal to have. But for, you know, those busy days when you're not going to be able to do that, you can do something for 30 seconds while you're watching the spaghetti boil or whatever. And I've, I'm actually feeling so proud of myself. I was leaf blowing and getting mm -hmm. a lot of strain in my shoulder. So I did, I did the core and I was like, That's this awesome. looks obscene to anybody who's watching because it kind of <laughs> looked phallic the way I was doing it. But I did, I took the leaf blower and kind of put it more in my core because it was just it was taking a lot of that pressure off my shoulder mm -hmm. when I was doing it. And so I think that is just, I mean, it's a 
common sense way to think about it, mm. but there's so many different things that you can do from the core versus this very unnatural, like arm aching way of doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and just learning, shifts. like you learned that about your body, like, you know, that doesn't feel good. Mm -hmm. like I was a little self-conscious when I was doing it in the front yard, though. I was like, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. well, maybe you'll influence the neighbors to do it. The same yeah. way. There might be a you know. TikTok of me. <laughs> it's only weird when you're the first one doing it. And then after that, it just becomes that everybody's doing it like that. Oh my God. And nobody has changed the way anymore. the world blows leaves. Yes. <laughs> okay, good. Well, now I have a reason I can justify it if anybody's like, yeah. what are you doing? <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So I love the, the, the practice and everything and how we're going to work it into our lives. And I am. I'm fully bought in, <laughs> but we like to talk about the business side of things too, mm -hmm. especially if we have any listeners who maybe have something that is their calling that they're really passionate about, that they want to share with others and turn into a business. I love, 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 love so much how yours seems to just be so authentic and has evolved naturally based on the things that were really naturally working for you and for the business. But I'm sure that there were some hiccups along the way. And I'm sure that you've learned some important lessons. Is there anything that kind of the top things that come to mind about building your brand, building your community, building your business that maybe some listeners could learn from your mistakes <laughs> or from your oh, successes? Gosh, yeah, no, I've got lots of them for sure. I think the, <laughs> the best thing looking back right now is allowing myself to go slow and allowing things to, like you said, just happen and naturally evolve. The sort of almost mistakes that I made and some mistakes I made was when Strala was getting this kind of buzz that things get, a lot of gyms wanted to have the Strala classes like right away, you know, uh -huh. <laughs> and I'm thinking, well, we have about 10 teachers that are amazing and they don't live in Paris or London where you want them. And they said, OK, great, just come here and train up some people in a weekend and we'll just we'll we'll go and it'll be amazing. I'm like, OK, great, let's do it. So I, I would do these things that I knew were kind of quick fixy and a little bit mm. wrong and try to fit this kind of way of moving into more of a nothing wrong with Zumba. I think Zumba is so fun, but more of a Zumba kind of situation where you would just learn the routine mm. and then do it like literally in Zumba. Right. The instructor doesn't say a word like I, I did an event once for uh, uh, Bill Clinton's foundation and I led a yoga class and then there was a Zumba instructor and the instructor came up to me and said, oh, you have to get a microphone on to her. And she's like, no, no, I don't need one. I'm like, no, no, there's a big group out there. You know, she was a little younger than me. So I thought I was like, you know, being good big sister instructor. She's like, no, 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 I don't say anything. I teach Zumba. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I didn't get it. I'm like, and then I, I saw it. I was like, I never hey. taken a Zumba class? Like, I had no idea. That, yeah, that I mean, talk. it's 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 amazingly scalable because of that. The instructor... Yeah points and then you go that way and then you kind of repeat and then it's about the music and they would memorize right. a routine uh -huh. so I didn't oh, do it quite yeah and then you know the next month the instructors get new routines and there's this whole you know way where that's rolled out and there's a lot of companies like this that even teach yoga so I knew I didn't want to be like that but I would go and spend some time with these people that were trainers at gym so they were already teaching like 15 different styles of things and they loved what we were doing, but they kind of, if they loved it, they wanted to spend more time and learn more about it. And I felt so bad for them because their their day would be like 15 classes of totally different things like, you know, meditation and then 
up and down jumping aerobics the next hour and then, you know, one to the next, the yeah. next, the next. And and some of them were great and it worked and some of them were not great. And then, of course, the gym chains kind of take their own liberties and, and, mm-hmm. and were using taglines that we didn't like. So I kind of mm. shut that down and we just grew more naturally and naturally and naturally and then let the people come to us that actually want mm-hmm. to do this <laughs> and, yeah. and everybody yeah. wins. So so now it's kind of incredible. So I, 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 you know, I made a mistake that, you know, not very many people even knew about except for my friends where I was like, okay, I'm going back and forth to Paris and to London doing these things and growing really fast and it's going to be amazing. And in my head, I'm thinking, this is not going to work. (laughs) Or at least not, it it was working and that was the horrible thing, but it wasn't fun and it wasn't what I thought, what I Mm. wanted it to be. Yeah, depends how you define work. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like it was successful. And Mm -hmm. actually I went to one of the gyms to teach a class for an event and one of the participants at the gym came up to me and said, oh, how long have you been leading Strala Yoga? And I said, well, kind of from the beginning. And he said, well, you're pretty good at it. We should tell the the owner of the gym that you're, my instructor's really good, but you're even better. <laughs> I, I hope so. I know, that's cool. Yeah, so I thought that was pretty neat. But, but you know, this, this growing more naturally has been, at least it just has felt so good for me. I, I don't, I don't like that moving fast and breaking things. Like I didn't, identify with the girl boss movement like I, I'm a girl I'm a boss but I don't want to be that aggressive <laughs> you know, yeah. just, it's not my mm-hmm. it's not me it's fine for other people but I love sitting down with people and talking with people I don't want to just have something be about the company and not about people so we are a very big you know spreading thing out in the world and it, I kind of look at the people doing it and seeing it online even everywhere and then what we have for our app and everywhere we go but but also it just I know a lot of the people and the people know each other and it just mm-hmm. it feels so good it feels like what I wanted so I think resisting a lot more of those opportunities when they came in I learned from that from that gym chain you know a VC company came in and they said okay we can soul cycle this and I'm like okay I know not to do that now <laughs> yeah I know it would be successful but it would kind of come and go and be in the news and, oh, what happened to Tara Styles? What happened to Strala Yoga would be like the first thing that would come up on Google instead of like, <laughs> oh, I feel good from that class I took once or, you know, so really yeah. kind of thinking of what do I want to put on out in the world and knowing myself and knowing that I, I don't want to be in a situation where I'm forced to grow for some investors and then, you know, sell it to some data company or Amazon at the end mm-hmm. of the day. Like, I, right. this is really nice to have it how we have it and and to actually see it grow bigger and bigger and bigger without that poke from the that other side that you can do things for sure. So I felt really happy about that for sure. That's a lot of restraint. I mean, that takes, because yeah. <laughs> most people would be like, yeah, I, I do want to sell this. I want a lot of money and then I can do my yoga however I want here in my living room. And <laughs> But I can do that now. I mean, isn't yeah, that like an ancient yeah. proverb of like, oh, you have this boat and a fish and a lake and this land and don't you want to have 10 boats? And it's like, oh, then what? Oh, then you would have 30 boats. So then what? And then you could go to a land and have a boat and fish on the lake. And I'm like, but I have that now. <laughs> I love it. I, I butchered it, but yeah, I sort of, no, I feel I, like I every it. step along the way, I feel like I have everything I need. And and also other people, yeah. I've set up other people to have what they need and and we have a sustainable organization and it just does feel good. 
What does the yeah. organization look like? I mean, I'm sure you're not sitting there d designing the app and like, so yeah. do you have, yeah, a I have full no skills. <laughs> do you have a full business team? Are you managing all of that? Or like, do you have some type of team that takes care of all that side of it? Yeah. Well, no one takes care of everything, which I also learned that there's not one person you can get that just does it all. Mm -hmm. <laughs> maybe there is. I haven't. And if I could figure that out, maybe that would be good. Or maybe you have to pay them like all of your money. Maybe that's the problem. <laughs> um, but I got lucky. My husband, Mike, we work together. He also teaches Tai Chi. So that's great. And he loves to do that. And he answers all the emails, which is wonderful. So hmm. he loves to talk with people about their back pain, about what's going on. And then a lot of the people that I've met along the way through teaching leaders and guides also have special skills. So our graphics person is Estrella Guide. We have all of these people that do different things for us that that I also know from yoga. So that's kind uh -huh. of really cool. And then the app side of things, we had to hire out people that specifically do that. We're always bugging them like, oh, do you want to do yoga with us? And they're like, huh? <laughs> we make apps. We make apps. So like little at a time. Yeah, there's people that I haven't met as well that do some things like that. But, but you know, it's it's a really nice way that we get to talk to everybody on the team about what we're doing. And I think that's just a nice way to, to be in an organization for sure. And then we have partner studios. So it's kind of like there's a girl in Germany who's, leading trainings with her partner and they're expanding Estrala tons over there. And then there's a few other studios in Berlin and some in Paris and that. So I get to I get to do what I love to do, which is talk to people that are doing the same things that I'm doing for Estrala and in their individual communities. Mm -hmm. So that's really fun. And then obviously creating videos and we have a whole like video production team. But that's, you know, somebody I met through a media gig I did for I think it was Cosmo magazine like 15 years ago. And it was a really nice person that made really good videos. And I said, can I hire you on the side? Like, you know, <laughs> like yeah. him over, yeah. you know, so we've been working with him and then he's developed his own production team over the years. And and we work with him for our kind of like we call them like the pretty looking videos. So we film mm. a lot at home and we film a lot of the pretty videos with him and and that's been really fun too so so yeah it's always uh more people than i think but it's it's always feeling good too and and he does the yoga and his wife does the yoga and and we always hang out and everything you find your people that you want to hang out with and mm -hmm. do stuff with because you spend a lot of time with them too so yeah. you're really lucky yeah i really love that idea of not 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 girl bossing but resisting that urge to i think social media has really trained us that things are instant and it's you're not successful unless you have sold it and grown and done all of this in this social media amount of time everything mm. is compressed and i think it's beautiful more, you're more, building more. this lasting thing at a pace that makes sense and at a pace that is not causing you to make decisions mm. that don't feel right yeah i should ask you about this there was in london a few years ago i was there for a yoga thing and I got asked to speak on a panel of like wellness business entrepreneurs and like me yeah. and I'm, I, you know, I'm included in that. But again, I feel very different. So my theme kept coming up in that talk was, well, I don't want an exit. I don't want to exit. I like my life. I, mm -hmm. I yeah. enjoy doing this. Maybe someday someone will come along and say, do you want to sell this to us? And I'll probably say, well, if it makes sense, but can I still do it? You know, <laughs> I yeah. still do exactly yeah. what I'm doing now. Like I don't, yeah. I don't necessarily want an exit from this life. I've sort yeah. of, there's no delayed thing for me. And I get it for other people that have a different kind of 
business for sure. That makes sense. You know, you Mm want to sell it and then, you know, go to the fishing boat, I suppose. But I feel like I'm already on the fishing boat. (laughs) Oh my! We talk about that a lot because people ask us all the time, do you make a lot of money doing the podcast? Mm. And the answer to that is no, (laughs) no, (laughs) we don't make any money doing the podcast, (laughs) but we're not doing it to sell it or make a bunch of money. And we both have talked about no matter what else is going on in our world, this is just a happy thing that we do, that we Mm. love doing, that brings us peace and joy. And we have kind of a no stress, no worry policy about it. Like it's a fun, wonderful thing that we get to do. It's a way to get to talk to people like you on a weekly basis. And I mean, you can't beat it. But I I do think think there are people in the world who are like, you don't, you don't make money and you don't, you're not worried about that. And I'm like, well, I mean, Money would be nice, but that's not why we do this. (laughs) Yeah, I think those are the things that whether they end up making money or not are the things that are the best. I mean, Mike and I, we talk every morning we wake up before Daisy does just to like have some time together because we don't really get to Mm -hmm. do stuff together. We're having a small child. (laughs) (laughs) But but we do talk about that really frequently, like within Strala, within the business. Are we having fun? And, And a lot of times it's no, and this thing that we're doing is really bogging me down. Like the year that I was pregnant, we did 10 trainings. And not that we were like, oh, we have to do all these trainings, do all this stuff. But it was so fun and so enjoyable. And I love doing it. But at the end of my pregnancy, I'm like, I'm in Berlin and I'm seven months pregnant. I don't think I'm allowed to fly back to New York, but I'm going to anyway. Oh like something gosh. needs to change. So yeah. everything changes all the time. And I think it's, it's I think you, you're onto something because we do that quite a bit. Like, are we having fun? Are we doing things that actually bring us joy? And then whenever we shift and change, everything always becomes more successful right away. It's like, oh, you know, the pandemic happened. Okay, we've had our stuff online before, but putting an app together and then putting our trainings in one place. And oh, it just turns out people really want to do all of our trainings online. It's not a big deal. And you can meet up in person and do that too. And you can do this. So I feel like that way of thinking maybe just needs to be more normalized because I haven't heard anyone else talk about it except you all and us. And it feels very alone. You know, a lot of Mm -hmm. my friends are like, they speak in venture capital wellness talk all day. And they literally use words like bounty and burn rate. And these are like aggressive, (laughs) (laughs) you know, your marketing strategy, like your spend, you know, and and it's, and just the, the sound of the words alone, like, like knowing what a bounty is, is, okay, if my friend's blog puts a link to my app, they're going to get a bounty for everybody that clicks on that. And oh, I'm like, yeah. a bounty. Can't you just say like a, a, like a share in the profits or like a share? <laughs> it's like, it's got to be a bounty right. now. You yeah, know, like the words right. are just getting so aggressive. <laughs> I'm like having fun. Yeah. And You're you not hunting still... fugitives. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can still be successful and sustainable and and profitable and all the things that you want. But I feel like you know, we're driving ourselves bonkers and we don't have to be, you know. (laughs) Well, you mentioned Daisy and we are a podcast for moms. We really wanted to talk a little bit about how has motherhood changed what you're doing? Has it? We're guessing it has as mothers ourselves. Motherhood changes everything, Mm -hmm. but you are managing a global brand and you are a mom. What are some of the ways you structure your days? And you've already mentioned like getting up early before she wakes up. Like, What are some of your tips for managing this big thing you have going on with this other big thing, which is raising a human. Oh, gosh. Yeah, it's it's hard. I mean, as you know, I remember before there's like before and after. (laughs) And before I could stay up till four in the morning if I wanted to work on a project or 
I could just get up and go to the studio on little sleep, then come home and take a nap. And these things are not mm -hmm. possibilities <laughs> at all <laughs> anymore. <laughs> not at all. And I I was a person before where I, I, I did a lot during the day, but structure wasn't, you know, I mean, I had to have a class at a certain time or have a meeting, things like that. But my other things were just kind of, you know, whatever, mm -hmm. I'll do everything when I want to do it and I'll sleep when I'm tired. So now it's very much more structured. So waking up early is super important. So I go to bed, you know, she goes to bed at 8.30. So, I mean, I'm boring. I go to bed at 8.30. <laughs> oh, unless yeah. I have friends, if they want to meet out for dinner and it's after 8.30, I feel like it's the middle of the night right now. <laughs> but this is just, you know, her stage, she's six years old. So this is, you know, what's happening now. And it's been different before when she was younger. And, and I'm sure it'll be different when she's older. But I mean, now she goes to school all day. So I wake up in the morning early with Mike and then I I do a lot of the things that I sort of need to get done, whether it's like meetings with the team or emails or, you know, just kind of work things like that. I feel like that's when I have like my big burst of energy and I do my yoga practice and, you know, the coffee's on, you know, that whole yeah. time of day because I know there's like a crash coming. And then Mike <laughs> yeah. takes her to school, which is great. So she has, you know, she has that. And then he comes home and does his stuff and we do some stuff together. But I'm kind of working until school's out and mm -hmm. I feel really lucky now if there's things I have to do come back to I have enough freedom with having him as another caregiver to be able to do that but often I'm I can pretty much just hang out with her and you know go to her ballet class with her and do that kind of stuff yeah. um, and now I'm getting back to traveling again so sometimes I go alone which makes her really mad at me for a while Aww. especially I, I've learned not to lie about the day amount of days that I'm gone like I went to Singapore and I told her it was three days and it was seven days and she was now I'm a liar so she's like right. I can I've count really learned. <laughs> she's like I'm not I'm not stupid mom <laughs> so a house plant I know you were gone for a long yeah. time <laughs> yeah but I like to be here too so, sometimes we all go together as a family and I've realized that that's not sustainable either nor is it appropriate and for my own well-being it gets fun to go by myself and yes. sleep in a nice bed and eat breakfast when mm -hmm. I want to eat breakfast so so there's a lot of things I do now that are back to in person going to Zibby's thing in Charleston this weekend alone so that'll be really fun and yeah. then we're all going to Miami in May together for we're doing a two-week training so she's coming along for the ride and Mike can watch her while I have the yoga things we have other faculty there as well and she mm -hmm. has friends in Miami so that's nice but there's that's a bunch good. of things coming up in the fall where I'm going alone as well and so just navigating how she feels about that so yeah it's it's always I think it's always changing too just depending on what's happening with her yeah. and what's happening what what I want to do as well it's an ever-evolving animal raising kids I mean I don't know anything either you have to tell me what's going on <laughs> well no we don't know anything either every day we're like oh well let's figure that out <laughs> yeah. yeah we just figured out the college thing so oh, oh wow come, come back in a few years yeah, uh, we're about to have to figure that out. We're figuring out gosh. the like freedom thing a little bit. You know, Ooh. like I have a 17 year old and he will be out in the world by himself. And it's that balance of I don't want to be all in his business. I want him to do everything on his own. But also he does still live in my house. So I want to know where you are and when you're coming mm. home. And yes. I want to guide you through making good choices. And if it, it's a lot, that's well. The push and the pull. Ends. It never ends. Can I, can mm -hmm. I ask you both what you do? I mean, maybe your kids are a little older. So do you have rules around social media with them? Oh. I'm thinking like absolutely not for mine. And I don't care if she hates me. But no, I <laughs> delay it as long as you okay, can. Okay, delay. Okay. Delay yeah. as long as you humanly can. I think my yeah. daughter, we waited until 
I want to say 13 or 15. I can't mm. remember. It felt like a lot longer than most of her friends. Mm -hmm. And it started primarily, uh, she does art. And so we let her like have an oh, art cool. site for a oh, while cool. before she could actually post anything with her face. But now mm. everything has to be friends only private. So cool. that's the rule. My son's 13 now and he could not care less. So he hasn't even brought it up. So Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My, I have a 13, almost 14 year old as well. And I mean, he doesn't care about it at all. He has some cool. access, of course, to his phone and he loves to watch YouTube videos of mm. people building things or video game things. I mean, it's all really innocent stuff that he's watching cool. and he watches it right there with us. And he does that's that, great. but he does not care about something like Instagram at all. Mm. Well, I think that's because of you, because you both are so cool. And I think that really comes oh, from, I don't, know. I, don't know. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I'm trying to figure it out. Like, how do you do this? How do you raise yeah. a kid that doesn't want to be looking at social media all day or yeah. want to be putting themselves out there? So, oh my gosh, we had some missteps with my older one because he, he did want to be on it. All of his friends were mm. on it. And he did. And we finally agreed to Snapchat after some really, mm. really long conversations. But yeah, we had some missteps with Snapchat okay, and had to okay. take it off. Like okay, and he, cool. he, it wasn't a fight. Like when we said, mm. this doesn't seem good. He said, mm -hmm. you're right. This you're right. Good. This is shady. This is not good. And he was like, yeah, let's take it off. And it oh, was that's cool. a long time before he said, well, now, now my friends are using it to communicate. And I'm mm -hmm. in a couple groups that use this. Mm -hmm. So we had some rules around it and added it back in. But I mean, he was in high school. He was old by then. Cool. It's hard. And it's our hard. friend Catherine Perlman does have a great book about it. So we'll put a link in the show notes and okay. we'll send you that information you. so you don't have yeah. to wait for a month until the, or no, the show's going to air this I will week. Read it. <laughs> I know. I think we shuffled things around and this show will come out this week. Yeah. So you won't have so, to wait yeah. long. It'll be in the show notes. Cool. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, and let's, well, speaking of show notes, we want to make sure that we have a link in there to where people can yes. find you. Sure. Yeah. TerraStyles.com. I started that because, you know, sometimes people don't know how to spell astralyoga.com. I don't blame them. It was a silly name. And where, I was going to say, where'd that name come from? <laughs> so at first, Mike and I, we started the name because we started a physical studio in his living room. And I was reading a lot of like Osho and Ram Dass and a bunch of weird philosophy books. And thinking about yoga. And and we came up with these words, strength, balance, and awareness, and just kind of like smush these words together. And I'm like, oh, Strala sounds like a fun place. <laughs> you know, it's not, it's the word sound. I liked how the word sounded. Yeah. And then all my yoga friends were like, oh, it's a Sanskrit word. And I'm like, I don't think so. Pretty sure it's not. And then a Swedish newspaper literally like very quickly when we opened the studio in his apartment, I was doing like some media stuff. So this journalist came and I'm like, I hope they don't figure out that it's our apartment. <laughs> came And she said, it's so cool. I'm doing this feature on you. It's so cool that you named this studio Strala. And she pronounced it Strala. And I'm like, okay, I just didn't say anything. I'm like, okay, don't say anything, Tara. Just listen to what she says. <laughs> she smile said, and nod, it's, smile and nod. Yeah, smile and nod. And she said, oh, because it's a Swedish word with a circle over the A and it means yeah. to radiate light. <gasps> The Swedish have the best things. They, yeah, yes. it's so cool. Oh, so perfect. and then and then I'm thinking, well, I don't want to, you know, go through this whole logo figuring out. So we just took the the circle over the A and used American typewriter as the font, and then that just became our forever logo, Estrala. Yeah. And then you know, and then a lot of people are like, oh, it's so cool. Estrala means to radiate light. And I'm like, yeah, it totally <laughs> yes, does. It does. <laughs> Thank goodness, totally it doesn't that. mean to like, you know. 
poop on yourself. (laughs) I don't know. It's a total accident. You know, but then I'm friends with Deepak Chopra over the years. And he's like, oh, Tara, it's synchronicity, synchronicity. And I'm like, well, whatever it is, I'm happy. So it needs to radiate (laughs) light, which is totally gone the other way. Totally. (laughs) But we didn't we didn't mean it to like be this business at the time either. It was just sort of a studio. And we thought we'd have a, you know, a little yoga studio in New York and yeah. That would yes. be fun for a while. So it kind of took off. But but now everybody loves it. So Well, that's, that's a good. good lesson to any listeners that are thinking of starting their business. Just assume you're gonna go global <laughs> before assume you name your business. Yeah, <laughs> Especially if you're having out, fun. <laughs> check out what it means in different places. Yeah. Oh True. my gosh, that's so funny. I'm like, we have fully that's gone awesome. through our look, listen, learn time. I know. Do you have a few minutes to look, listen, learn? Yeah, please. Or... Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm are a bit you of a sure? babbler. Oh no, so <laughs> well, are we're... we big talkers and we have no restraint because we want to hear everything so yeah do you, you got maybe we'll just because we are tied on time instead of doing the three look listen learns we can each just pick a look or listen or a learn whatever Perfect. your favorite is Perfect. all right yeah. so for anybody who is new to the podcast welcome we are so glad you're here but look listen learns time at the end of each show where we just take a few minutes and talk about some of the things that we are either reading or watching or listening to learning about that maybe you can put on your list of new things to try in the weeks and months ahead. So we don't like to put our guests in the hot seat first. So Missy, you want to tell us what you're look, listen, learning? Sure. And since we're just doing one, I'm going to pick the thing I read last night. I read You Could Make This Place Beautiful by Maggie Smith, which is a memoir. You may remember her. She had a poem called Good Bones that went viral. I don't know what year that was, but um, the nightclub shooting. Pulse? Um, Yes. Right after that, like mm-hmm. it, she didn't write it about that, but this, it was published right after that and went viral. So you may have read it, but that's where the title comes from, but that it's, it's a memoir of her divorce and it is so beautiful, which sounds like a crazy thing to say about a memoir of divorce, but it's very beautifully written is sometimes really laugh out loud, funny. She's very funny, but it's also so moving. And I, cried and I stayed up way too late and I could not put it down. Yeah, It was just such a compelling book. So um highly recommend reading that one. And if you are going through a divorce or know someone who is, it may be sort of triggering just putting that out there, but it is a beautiful story of life. So that is me for this week. What about you, Tara? And Tara, you can oh, do gosh. as many as you want. <laughs> yeah, oh, the guests so can nice. do three. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Oh gosh. Well, I think the the main thing that's coming to mind now is um, this book by Jane Goodall that I'm reading called Hope. And actually, you all and Zibby inspired me to start a little bit of a, a book club for our Strala community because, you know, a lot of our wellness friends, we read nonfiction, but well, nonfiction books all the time, health books and mm-hmm. how to get how to be healthier, <laughs> like mm-hmm. all this stuff. And it's for me, it gets a little uh, it's not that it's boring, but it gets a little one note in a way. And mm-hmm. meeting you all and meeting Zibby and just diving into stories and memoirs has been really fun for me and also mm-hmm. has helped expand and feel differently about everything that I'm doing. So we're doing this kind of uh, no pressure read along if you feel like it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and our book for April is Hope by Jane Goodall. I thought it'd be great for Earth Day just kind of thinking about that. And then reading her story and and hearing her talk with her co-authors, just more conversations about how she feels about everything and and so much of what she overcame. I mean, being in the 
being in the jungle with the chimpanzees and the person who sent her there was a local guy. And he thought, well, the chimpanzees will probably warm up to you because you're a woman and you have patience and all of this stuff. And that was really way before women were traveling and really doing much of anything. So I thought that was really cool. Hmm. So I learned about just perseverance from her. And and then a surprising thing that really helped me was her how she feels about her body and how she looks. She has this kind of scar on one side of her mm-hmm. face. And a lot of people say, oh, why don't you get that fixed or whatever? And she said, well, there's a big story about how I got that. And I want to keep that story with me. And she was climbing up a mountain to, you know, talk with one of the chimpanzees or whatever. <laughs> and she grabbed, hey, what's going on? And she grabbed onto a grass or something. And this humongous boulder, like 100 pounds, got her and then threw her down. And and because of the way she rolled, she didn't, she ended up not dying, but rolled off to the side. But she was this boulder landed on top of her. And it took like three or four grown men to get it off of her. Oh. And, and she said, it's this amazing story that she survived. But why would she change how she looks and how... Her body and her face is a reflection of her whole life and everything she's been through. And I just thought that was so powerful for for me to hear about, you know, beauty standards, especially in the Instagram age and the well, you know, wellness is now like going to the spa and getting these sneaky facials and like injecting yourself with all these things and and looking like you're and that filter that like makes you look 15 again or whatever. And I've been thinking a lot about just it's it's cool to be yourself and to of course, make your own choices and not be judgmental about if you if you're doing that or not doing that. But you know, all that aside, it's just cool and inspiring to hear the story of somebody who's so awesome who just leaves themselves alone and and enjoys every stage of their life. So I thought that was kind of a, a sneaky book about conservation, but also about a way to live and and mm. beauty and a way to live better. I love that idea of just living each stage of your life mm. and just. No- <laughs> don't have to live in your 50s like you're in your 20s and I don't know I just saw a clip of Michelle Obama she was on a talk show that she was talking about you you're enough you will always have everything Mm -hmm. you need if you understand that you are enough Mm -hmm. and it gave me chills and it's like your boat story yeah and she was saying that you know you don't have to worry about kids growing up I don't know the whole context because I only saw a clip but you're not agonizing over like oh my kids are growing up and leaving me because you are enough and Mm. they are enough and Mm. it's it's just yeah I love that so I want to read that book I love the whole concept oh the audiobook is really good too because you hear her speak the audiobook is great yeah oh I love yes which is nice oh I have a credit maybe that's what I'll use it on I've got 10 credits I just discovered (laughs) I better get going oh yeah you can do some shopping yes well what do you look listening and learning Oh my gosh. I had a bunch listed here, but I'm going to do none of them. But this conversation has just got me thinking about scoliosis awareness month Mm -hmm. is coming up in June, but I'm doing my thing of trying to make it awareness month every month by reminding (laughs) y'all to, I mean, you have your kids touch their toes at their school nurse, but scoliosis, holy crap, it sneaks up so fast and it advances so fast that just uh, we're going to put in the show notes again ways that you can kind of check for it at home or things to be on the lookout for. But I'm thinking about this because my son, who was diagnosed and has been bracing and doing his physical therapy, his shroth mm-hmm. therapy for it since September, since September has grown three inches. The brace lasts yeah. for like an inch and a half. Giant. So he's already like popped out of this thing. Our insurance only 
pays for one brace every two years, which seems like a really silly amount of time considering that's very the kids silly grow. And that's the whole point of a brace. Uh, but mm -hmm. anyway, uh, my learning is actually about a new brace, which I am not advocating for or pushing. I am currently learning and researching about it called the whisper brace, which is, I think Missy, you and I, back when we did our ladies weekend and my son had just gotten this diagnosis, our friend Beth had said like, isn't it shocking how this is like one of the few medical things where we're still using the same procedure or the same brace that was around no advancement. like 50 yeah. years ago. I mean, it's basically just shoving a kid in a tube and tying him real tight. Mm. Um, <laughs> And so, I, I mean, I've had my own concerns about it just because, I mean, the poor kid can barely move side to side. And I mean, it's nothing different than every other tens and thousands, millions of kids who have to deal with it go through. But there is this new break. Well, the thing that got me started on it, we went um, his, it's not an orthodontist, orthopedist. I always call him the wrong <laughs> thing. Ortho, yeah, orthopedist, I think is right, yeah. is inventing a new brace. And so we've never had time for him to try it on. He wanted people to be like investigative, whatever, to put it on and yeah. give feedback on how it feels. And just see, and this thing's like a year's off and he, the doctor's actually moving, so we'll never get to use it anyway. So it was very much like, try on this neat thing that's amazing that you'll never, ever get to use. But just seeing the, his face light up as far as, oh, it's flexible. I can move, you know, I can mm -hmm. reach down and drop, pick something up if it drops, made me start doing more and more research about there's got to be something else available. Yeah. And there is this this whisper brace, which there's no research. It hasn't been around for 50 years like the other ones. It's just kind of anecdotally like, oh, it corrected my curve at this level. You know, my kid enjoys it. That's about all there is. And by the way, it costs $10,000. So wow. good luck. It doesn't work. And the only person who does it in Texas is in Houston. So we would have to drive to Houston Ugh. every time we need an adjustment or all these yeah. things. So we're trying to make it. It's just learning all these different things as far as is it worth the risk what if it's not doing as well as this other alternative you know if it's not broke don't fix it he's been having a lot of success with the old-fashioned way but just our conversation about movement and body and this idea of flow and how mm -hmm. restrictive it is in the classic Boston style right. brace, which is very right. rigid, very, you know, 18 hours a day, he's in this mm -hmm. thing. It's making me more and more think that whatever the cost it is worth to, you know, maybe we'll help some other kid 10 years from now if the, yeah. the, this becomes the new standard and there is this more room for this flexibility in the movement or, or maybe it ends up being the wrong thing. I don't know, but it is just one of those things that we parents have to do where are we making the right decision? Or are we making the wrong decision? Having to listen to our guts and listen to our kids. Mm -hmm. But the biggest thing is as I am in all these scoliosis Facebook groups, every day there's a kid having surgery, like mm -hmm. either the tethering or they get these spinal rods put in and lots of kids need to do it. And some kids could brace 23, 24 hours a day, and it still is going to, their curve is going to progress. But the yeah. earliest you catch it, the more options that you do have. So it's just your monthly reminder. I'm going to give everybody mm -hmm. to take those tests seriously. When you go to your pediatrician, there's national standards for what 
age and grade and stuff they do them in for boys it would have been eighth grade so it would have been way too late for him he probably would have been in the surgery zone so we were just lucky that we happen to have a pediatrician that does it with every visit and so keep an eye out even if your doctor's not keeping an eye out there's things that you can do at home and we'll put links to that in the show notes because information gives you options so yep we want to give you lots of options all right oh well thank you thank you so much i hope everybody goes and gets the app and checks out your website. You have some retreats coming up, I think. Uh, yeah, we're back to, you know, everybody's again. Somebody didn't s- said it's not back to, it's forward again or whatever. <laughs> into doing things like, oh, whatever. We're just having fun. So, yeah, some some in-person things coming up. Miami and then something in Berlin and then something in Italy. And oh, that Dolomites keep one. going. Yeah, the Dolomites. Go yeah. Oh, nothing in Texas. I'm going to have to get a van and just, you know, go on an American <laughs> tour. Maybe Daisy will be up for that. She would love it. <laughs> we can pimp out a van, you know. There you go. Perfect. Yeah, I'd love to so come fun. see you. Yeah. Oh, my. Awesome. This was well, such thank, a pleasure you. meeting you. Have oh. a wonderful afternoon. I got to run, you guys. I can go right. to the next thing. It's oh. amazing how fast the day goes. I know. Time flies. All right. All right. Nice have a good afternoon. So good to Thanks. see you. Bye-bye. See you Bye. Thank you so much for joining us for the mom and dot, dot, dot podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. And if you know someone else who could benefit from the episode, please be sure and share it with them. And while we're begging, please subscribe and rate us wherever it is you listen to podcasts. You can find links to all the things we discussed today in our show notes or over at our website, momandpodcast.com with the A and D spelled out. In between shows, find us over at the socials, including our private mom and community Facebook group. The links to that group and all of our socials can be found at momandpodcast.com. Thank you so much for your support. We appreciate you more than you know. Now go out there and make your ellipses count. <laughs>